Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Noble, life without Davy begins. Steve Smith puts his hand up to fill the void. Is it the right call? We look ahead to the tests against the West Indies and we celebrate the marvel that is Elise Perry. Celebrating game 300 with the winning runs, a six if you don't mind. Let's go around the wicket. Hello and welcome to another episode of Around the Wicket. I'm Narrowly Meadows. Michael Clark to join us shortly. Lisa Stalaker and Callum Ferguson alongside me. Celebrating a clean sweep for the Aussies up against Pakistan. And Mitchell Marsh was the leading run scorer. And if we had said that 12 to 18 months ago, I don't think many people would have believed you. 344 runs, the only player to go past that 300 run mark at an average of 86. Did you think he had it in him, Lise? Well, he certainly had it in him. Um, the problem was that when he kind of burst onto the scenes, it took him about five seasons to get his 100. I think his high score was 87. He was in and out of the side. Uh, the selectors and the people around him certainly believed in him, and I'm so glad to see that he's able to kind of nail down that spot now. It's brilliant since that performance, that 100 in the ashes. Yes, it was in a losing side, but he has not just performed, but performed under a lot of pressure. Yeah, no, spot on. And I feel like he's we're seeing the real Mitch Marsh this time around in the Australian team. He's comfortable in his own skin, much like Travis Head, actually. Mm. The way they've both come into this uh, Australian test team, they've come in and said, we're going to play our way. And we're seeing the best of them on the back of that. It's been fantastic to watch. And then the skipper, Pat Cummins, and the way that he has led this attack. He had back-to-back-to-back fifers, leading wicket-taker for the series. You almost forget that he spent years out with injury and now Australia is reaping the rewards. Yeah, it's a pertinent point because with all that time off the field in his early days, he's actually physically probably a bit younger than what his age might suggest from a fast bowling point of view. But what we have seen over the last few years has been enormous amounts of resilience physically, but also mentally now that he's taken the captaincy on board. It makes his performances even more remarkable because everyone felt like he was going to be on, under a lot of pressure and was he going to be able to maintain his standard? Well, he's exceeded everyone's expectations. And he's been backed up. Josh Hazelwood with the triple wicket yes. maiden to turn the <laughs> test on its head. Mitchell Stark over and over and over again. That first over, he just strikes. Unbelievable consistency from the New South Wales attack, let's be honest. We've got to give him a little bit of credit, Lise. Hey. But the story of this series, I actually think, is a Pakistani in mm. Amir Jamal. He wasn't even supposed to be a part of this series. A few years ago, he's playing great cricket for Hawkesbury in Australia. Yes. He was a taxi driver to try and earn the money to keep his dream alive. What a player with the bat and the ball in the end. Yeah, he was amazing and he really opened the door for Pakistan to put so much pressure on the Australians. We've got to remember that he also got the loan to get the car to, <laughs> to become the taxi so This is a guy who's out of his own comfort zone in a different country finding a way to kind of live out his dream um, and in the end he was able to do it on the biggest stage. 
82 with the bat, and it was so enthralling. And then six wickets as well in that first. It, it, I mean, he was just brilliant all summer long. And that's what we love in Australia, seeing those stories and having our eyes open to some of the talent right around the world. But we need to look ahead to the West Indies because that's the Test Series coming up. And as we head to the break, we'll be joined by Michael Clark shortly. But we want to pay tribute to one of the quiet leaders, one of the unsung heroes, and that is the coach in Andrew McDonald. You know, it's the last 18 months, the 24 months, the way that this team or all three formats have been playing is phenomenal under the leadership of Paddy um, and the vice captains and, and just the team itself. Everyone's so calm and relaxed. And I think that, you know, a lot of credit has to go to the coach. I think Andrew McDonald, since taking over, um, it's a bit chaotic at, at, the, at the beginning of that. But, you know, a guy like him just makes everything so calm and relaxed. And um, it's very, very simple in front of us, the way that we can go about our game plans. Um, I think he, he's got the room in the right space, um, the right headspace. When you walk in as a, as a, a youngster or you know, been in and out of the team, you know, you can just see the way that they go about the business, that they're relaxed and they know their you know, position in the team and you know, there's no added extra pressure or anything. He's just nice, cool, calm and collected and um, you know, the, the, the boys are in, in great hands and um, I'm looking forward to seeing how they go the next three, four years under their leadership. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, saw that this morning. Um, yeah, no real thoughts at all. <laughs> if I'm honest, <laughs> I've not thought about it at all. Um, so yeah, maybe chat to him in the next week or so. It's funny sometimes when uh, Marns walked out there and scored runs. You know, Smithy jokes that he's going to race him out to bat at three the next game. So well, not overly surprised. I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe chat with him. Um, throughout the week but I'm pretty happy with his output at number four um, if he's desperate to try up the order well yeah, maybe we're open to it so we'll work through that but I feel like there's enough challenges in test cricket wherever you bat obviously Martin and Smudge and Trav and uh, you know even Marsh in, in more recent tours have been pretty impressive at three four five and six um, and Kez at seven so I'd yeah, first instance isn't probably to disrupt that, but um, we'll work it out. It almost feels as though every single name has been put up except for the captain himself to open the batting <laughs> after the retirement of David Warner. Steve Smith is the latest man to say, hey, give me a go, which is interesting in itself that he put it on the public agenda. Welcome back to Around the Wicket. Michael Clark, former Australian Test captain, joins us now. Pup. What have you made of the way that Steve Smith has put this idea out there to be promoted to open alongside Usman Khawaja? And do you think after a bit of a lean summer by his standards, this could be just what he needs? I'm not surprised, to be honest. Uh, how are you guys? Uh, Smitty loves batting. 
So he'd rather face every ball than give a few balls to somebody else. Um, so, yeah, I think Pat Cummins just made a, uh, a little joke, but I've heard Smitty do it a number of times. If somebody bats in front of him uh, and they do bat for too long, next time around he wants to beat them out there to the middle. And I think that's a great thing about Smitty. He loves batting. He loves being out there. I think technically he's, he's sound. He could open the batting. There's no doubt about it. I think he'll, he could adjust. Uh, he could find a way. He's you know, he's batted at number three. He's fine against the new ball. He's brilliant against spin. So if he wants to do it, I think they will allow him to do it. But listening to Paddy Cummins' quotes, I think it's a simple swap. I think Cameron Green is going to come in to open the batting for David Warner unless someone like Steve Smith wants to do it. And then if he does, then they might go Steve Smith to open and either put Cameron Green at number four or Cameron Green to six. But it sounds from what Paddy said just there, uh, he wants the, the least amount of disruptions as possible. Marnus has been brilliant. Smith four, Travis said five, Mitch Marsh six. So that tells me... Um, Cameron Green at this stage is probably the likeliest to come in and open the batting for David Warner. You're spot on. When you look at the clues and we hear Andrew McDonald as well over the weekend talk about it, and it sounds like it's going to be either Green or Smith. And, Pup, the fact is they would like that aggressive approach, that consistency from David Warner. And clearly you can't replace a David Warner. But the strike rate of Steve Smith is actually what was most concerning this summer. So do you think it's a viable long-term option to have a batter like Steve Smith opening alongside Osman Kawaja? I don't think they're too concerned about the strike rate. I think that's, uh, you know, we've had, we've been fortunate to have the likes of Matthew Hayden, Michael Slater, even the second half of Justin Langer's career, um, and then someone like David Warner that have played with really positive intent. I think they'll want that. They'll want the intent. I think that's the way Australian batsmen generally play. But I don't think the strike rate as an opening batsman uh, is too concerning. If Smitty strikes at 40, 50, 60, that's going to come down to runs. If he makes runs, his strike rate will increase as his innings goes on. It's not like he's a defensive player either. Someone like Smitty, Cameron Green, uh, Cam Bancroft, Matt Renshaw, they're aggressive enough players. So I don't think the strike rate's too concerning. I think they've just got to work out what they think is the best uh, partner for Usman Khawaja at the top of the order and go with that. And the other thing, again, no disrespect to the West Indies, West Indies, but we're playing against the West Indies. So I would imagine whoever they give the opportunity to, they will grab it with both hands. It might be different when we play the likes of India, South Africa, England, in different parts of the world as well. Um, you know, generally for us as Australian batsmen, we love batting in our own backyard. We know conditions well. We've grown up playing here. You're used to that extra pace and bounce. Yes, there might be some movement early, but you know if you get through that first hour, batting in Australia is pretty good. So it's a good opportunity for whoever gets the chance. Um, but the key to success is that longevity. And David Warner's been able to do that. He's been able to adjust, to manage all conditions around the world and to score runs. So if it's Smith or Green, or someone from outside this current 11 or 12, then uh, the key is going to be make the most of these two test matches against the West Indies and then, uh, and then cement your spot wherever we're travelling to around the world. 
And Ferg, that's the key here, isn't it? Because it's an interesting year. There's only four more test matches, two against the West Indies, two against New Zealand, and then it's the five-test Border Gavaskar series, the all-important one next mm. summer. Huge gap between them. So what do you think about this idea and, and it looking like they're probably not going to go with the traditional opener and maybe going with the Smith or Green? Yeah, look, I think when you look at um, Steve Smith's career, he, he's been someone who it's come to a bit easier than some others, and it's not on the back of just lobbing up and, and playing. Um, he does a lot of hard work off the field. He, he bats more than others in the nets. He out-trained everyone on the way through. So I think he would prepare himself as well as anyone to open the batting if he decided he wanted to do that. And, look, I've always been in the camp of you need a specialist opening batter, but if it was Steve Smith coming to you and saying, I want to open the batting, I think he's looking for a challenge. He's looking for that next mm. uh, motivation and inspiration in his career. And, honestly, I think if he, if he took to that job, he'd probably do it better than anyone else. So I'd be excited to see that opportunity. And I think it would be minimum uh, change to the lineup and disruption. Steve Smith goes up to open. Cam Green comes in to bat four. I think Cam Green's a natural number four. I think he'd be a fantastic player in that role and potentially for 10 years plus. So I think it's a really exciting opportunity here for the Australian team. If Steve Smith desperately wants to do it, I think it would be fantastic for the team. Marnus actually said after the test match, he rattled out... Um, Steve Smith's numbers. So I wrote him down. <laughs> at 5.57, he averages. At 4.61, at 3.67. So he said, look at the numbers he might get. He, he keeps getting higher and higher. <laughs> I like the thinking. Keep going that way. I like the thinking. Well, Pup, you alluded to it a little yeah. bit earlier. But this, Australia is expected to beat the West Indies, let's be honest. So what should the approach be? Oh. Is it planning for the India series and then the Ashes series? Or... <sighs> Well, I, I don't think. I think they've they've shown their hand. If they were going to do that, they wouldn't have picked Warner in the first test against Pakistan because Australia was meant to beat Pakistan the way they did three zip, and they're meant to beat West Indies two zip. So, no, I think they'll pick their best eleven. I think they'll focus on this series and they won't, won't look any further. Um, and I think that's the right approach in Test cricket as well. The, the thing, I tell you now about Steve Smith, if he wants to open the batting and they give him the chance, he will be the number one Test opener within twelve months. He's that good a player. If you can bat at three, you can bat anywhere in the order. He technically, he's good enough. He lets the ball go well. He's got a great eye. He's got beautiful hands. Yes, he might nick the occasional one or he might get LBW, but tell me someone that doesn't. He's that good a player. And maybe, as Ferg said, no, exactly. it might be that challenge that he's looking for. The main thing for Smitty, he doesn't want to wait. He doesn't want Warner or Kawaja to make 100 or Manus to make a double 100. Mm. He wants to make a double 100. So if he opens the batting, he will be the best opener within 12 months. And the other thing, don't be surprised if he breaks Brian, La Brian Lara's 400 record because he's that good. And now he's got the whole day or two days to bat. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I love this. And now I absolutely want Steve Smith to open. You've got me up and about about this idea now, pup. Great stuff. I just wanted to take a moment, though, because this team is ageing. We know that. Marnus Labashain is the only player that's below 30 years of age. Obviously, mm. Cam Green expected to come in, which will change that as well. Marnus is 29 years. If you look ahead, cast your eyes a couple of years forward to that Ashes in 2025. Could we see a big change? And how did that, that shift unfold in the next couple of years? 
I don't necessarily think uh, age is a burden, and I mean it both ways. If you're good enough at 17, then get in. If you're good enough at 40, then keep playing. Uh, the, The thing about retirement and walking away from playing sport at the highest level, a lot of the time it's based on injury or it's based on outside influences. So you don't want to do rehab anymore. You don't want to do any more team meetings. You you know, you don't want to do recovery and sit in an ice bath and and go to the beach and and you know, getting cold water like all of those things or you have a family, you get older and have kids and your priorities change. But it, it, I don't I don't think with a lot of these players um, certainly from a batting perspective, age is going to be the burden that stops them being a part of that Ashes series. Fast bowl is a little bit different because of the physical that comes with that. But again, these days you've got so much technology, you've got support staff everywhere, you're fitter and healthier than any cricket has been. So it wouldn't surprise me if they all want to be a part of that Ashes series that they, I think they will be. You know, Uzi's, Uzi's probably the one that's hinted. He doesn't know how much longer he'll play for. Uh, he's probably a case-by-case basis. but And he'll be, he'll be close to 40, if not 40. So, but, yeah, look, I don't know. I, I, I just think the way this sport is played now and, and with so much help, um, I just think if they want to make it, they will. So I don't know how many changes there'll be, to be honest. I love it. And Uzi will be turning 39 during that series, that December <coughs> birthday. I love the fact that you were noddling, nodding along to all of that list of all the things there, Lisa, <laughs> that you get a little tired of towards the end yep. of the career. And Pup was going through them all like, thank goodness I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> I just get to sit at home and talk about cricket. But so true. Up, just on that very point of the quicks, we heard, we heard from Andrew McDonald and he said, look, they're actually in better shape than they were heading into the series. They're feeling fit and strong, particularly Hazelwood Mm. and uh, Cummins as well. And we know, once again, this probably isn't going to be five days, five days against the West Indies. Do you believe in rotating quicks, Puff? How do you feel about it? I don't in test match cricket. Um, And, again, I know things have changed in in my time out of the game and there's a lot more cricket and there's all three formats. But, uh, again, I I prioritise test cricket. So if the guys are fit and healthy, um, again, I think they showed their hand in picking Warner for these three test matches. I think the quicks would be disappointed if they change their attitude towards them and say, well, let's rest you guys and pick three young quicks. You know, it's still test match cricket. If you're fit, you're healthy, then play. And, again, I think the amount they've bowled has actually helped them. They would feel good at the moment. They wouldn't feel over-bowled, but they'd feel on that borderline where they probably don't need to train too much. Just let them go and play. So if all goes to plan, and, again, I don't want to disrespect the West Indies, but if all goes to plan for Australia and we play our best, then we could be playing two three-day test matches. And I hate to say that, but I think we also need to be realistic and understand that this Australian team is playing mm. brilliant cricket in our own backyard. We just had three test matches against Pakistan. They're fit, they're ready, and whoever gets the chance to bat all the ball, they'll own it, they'll do well. I think West Indies are in for a really tough couple of test matches. I think the fact that there's only four test matches left of this Australian summer and then a huge gap. I know a lot of the players will turn their attention to T20 cricket, four overs, short, sharp, and then the Test Series next Mm. summer. There's enough time for them to recover. So unless someone has a niggle, they won't make changes, and they shouldn't. 
Michael Clark, thank you very much for your passion and your thoughts. All, yeah, thank all you in favour of Steve Smith opening from yeah, here on in. in. Chips are in. We'll, we'll see you ahead of the West Indies series. Right, after this short break, don't go anywhere because we are going to celebrate the legend that is Elise Perry. Whenever I was asked as a person, who do you want to be if you weren't yourself, I always answered Elise Perry. She is just that good. Don't go anywhere. Dual international and one of the greats in world sport, Elise Perry celebrated her 300th game in the green and gold. And by the way, that doesn't include her caps for Australia playing for the Matildas. She is a marvel and what a way to celebrate levelling the T20 series against India. If you don't mind, she hit a six to hit those winning runs alongside Phoebe Litchfield out there in the middle. You've got a smile on your face <laughs> just thinking about her. She is astonishing and I get good Goosebumps when I think about it, when I talk about it. What a way to celebrate the milestone. Yeah, I mean, she picked up two wickets, I mean, two catches, a run out as well. Um, and also the T20 format where she actually found herself on the outer not that long ago, but reinvented herself to be able to now play a huge impact with the Australian team. Um, it's a great story. Can you speak to her influence, not just on the sport of cricket, but on the global landscape, particularly for women in sport? Yeah, she's firstly been the face of women's cricket and women's sport in this country since she was 16 years of age. Um, and I, I solely believe she was the main reason why remuneration came in because Cricket Australia wanted to keep her. They didn't want to lose her to football. What that has done now is cricket is now a sport that is your, becomes your income and you can earn a lot of money, but it's pushed the other sports as well, globally as well. So she has had a huge, huge impact. She's just got so much respect from the men, from the world of cricket and, as I keep saying, the world of sport as well, doesn't she? Well, we're all Elise Perry fans. There's no doubt mm. about it. Um, anyone you speak to that follows sport um, knows that name and that's not just here in Australia, that's yeah. worldwide. So... I mean, to be a dual international speaks volumes for the natural talent she's got as an athlete, but her application of that talent has been extraordinary and an inspiration to so many people around the country. Her World Cup goal as well was an absolute oh, cracker. It's a banger, isn't it? <laughs> if you it haven't really watched is. it, look it up on yeah. YouTube. Unbelievable. But you speak about inspiration for generations to come. Phoebe Litchfield, mm. 20 years of age. She's doing well in these T20s at the moment, but her one-day form in the series, she's already got two one-day hundreds and she's only 20 years of age. How good is she going to be? Yeah, uh, I actually uh, did some number crunching. 14 ODI she's played, so I pipped her against Belinda Clark, Karen Rolton and Meg Lanning uh, and also Ricky Ponting. She's got the highest average at 60, 200s. Um, and, you know, she, if she stays on the park and still enjoys it, um, it's what I said about Meg Lanning. She'll break all the records. Meg Lanning, unfortunately, is now retired. Phoebe Litchfield is the next Meg Lanning, Belinda Clark. She, she is an absolute superstar. Continuing that soccer football comparison, it's a bit like Mary Fowler where we sit there going, we've got 
a decade and a half at least to enjoy this girl. That's no, exciting, isn't it? And and she's such a, a lovely personality to have uh, at the front line of your of your international side going forward because people want to hear more from her. So I think it's a fantastic thing that they've been able to get so much cricket into her at such a young mm. age. A bit like Pup talked about. If they're 17 and they're good enough, 16 and they're good enough, get them in there. She's going to be fun to watch for years to come. So, overall, Australia lost the test. They won the ODI series and now this T20 one series one. is level. How good is that for such an important series? It's in great. India? And um, the crowd is certainly coming in as well at D.Y. Patel in Navi, Mumbai. So, um, it's going to be a, a, the third T20 will go down to the wire, no doubt. One to watch. Don't go anywhere after this short break on Around the Wicket. We're going to take on the short stuff. to take on the short stuff and we start with Steve Smith who apparently is going to be Australia's next opener. Ferg, will sight screens ever truly be big enough for Steve Smith? No, never. And, and they'll just get bigger and bigger and then there'll be no seats for anyone to sit in. No, look, it, it was so, very funny. Just how specific he was with that sight screen. It was a rolled up piece of tape that was yeah. sitting on it and he said it was coming from the ball was coming right from where that was. It's incredible. He's got zoom on his on his eyes or something. It just shows you that a classy batter like him really does narrow down his focus to where the the ball comes out. Mm. So that's why he's the best, right? And he's going to be the best opener. There's yes, attention right. to detail and then there's Steve Smith. Yes. <laughs> but speaking of noticing things, um, does Davey need to go to Specsavers? <laughs> what was going on with that baggy green situation? Was it a PR stunt? Was it just a bad look? What What is going on? Oh, who knows? Uh, until they actually come out and tell us exactly what it was, I think we're all guessing, but uh, let's, like... <laughs> We don't want to see this happen again. So let's make sure we all keep our baggy greens in our backpack with us at all times from now yes, on. Yes, correct. That, that's probably Leave the most out. Chance. That's the, the surprising thing, that he didn't have it on him, that he decided to put it in bags and send the bags off. There's always a lot of chatter about David Warner's book and whether or not it will come out and what secrets it's going to unfold. I <laughs> want to read that book for what happened to the baggy green in the final test at the SCG. All right, two-test series. Should it be a three-test series minimum? Obviously, this is off the back of India, South Africa, which was a two-day test in the end. And then we've got Australia against the West Indies, Australia against New Zealand, all two-match series. What do you think, three minimum? Uh, three minimum would be nice, but the calendar won't allow it. And if we want to have a five-test series against England and India, um, that doesn't leave a lot of time to kind of have three test series against everyone else. Mm. I think three needs to happen. And maybe the way to go forward with this is Michael Holding's uh, idea from a few years ago to go to a two-division system, which is a, a, a huge... Whoa. Pandora's box. So see where that heads. I just sort of throw it out there, see what I got. Uh, the next one, who do you feel more for on Test Taboo? Tristan Stubbs, who was out twice in one day, or our own Callum Ferguson run out to leave Australia in all sorts of trouble? Oh, that poor that poor guy out twice in a day. It's, the, it's a horror show. It really is. We used to Look at the opening batters going out there when you'd been dobbed on a green seamer. Both sides have lost their wickets. And then you've got to go out at the end of the day and face the music. Out twice in a day is a horror show. The best thing about him was his brother flying in from the UK, throwing their hands up furious. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for joining us on Around the Wicket. We'll see you next time.